What's up, guys? Thank you all for checking out this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart, and I'm excited to do this show because this will be NFL draft preview show for us. Of course, we have plenty of things happening in the NBA playoffs. Shout out to the Boston Celtics for sweeping the Brooklyn Nets out of here in quite embarrassing fashion. Um, we've had some very fascinating and, and, and intense playoff matchups going on, some unpredictable some some rather uh, surprise matchups going on in the NBA playoffs. You got the uh, tie series between the one seed Suns and the eight seed Pelicans. You got the Raptors uh, pushing the Sixers. The six games after being down three two. So plenty of stuff happened in the NBA playoffs, and we will surely get to that in a different show. But today we're going to talk NFL draft because the draft is just a couple of days away. We want to make sure we give you guys our takes and give you guys some perspective of what we could expect to see beginning on night one of the NFL draft on Thursday night. The draft for the NFL goes on for three days. Excuse me, three days. First night, you'll have the first round. Second night, you'll have the second and third. And then the rest of the draft, four through seven rounds, will be on Saturday afternoon. So fun time for everybody. Kendall is not with us on this podcast, but joining me to talk NFL draft this week is another member of the New Generation Media family. Shamari Stewart joins us here on Sports Talk to Talk NFL Draft. And Sham, I know you've been quite tuned in to all the major developments heading into the draft, not just with necessarily all these prospects, but also some of these players that may be on the block, especially these wide receivers. So I know you've been very tuned in to what's been going on. What is your... Uh, thing you're most excited to talk about and look forward to ahead of this upcoming draft? Uh, boy, I mean, there's, I mean, there's so many, a lot of storylines going on. Um, I mean, you know, the teams I'm following the most right now are obviously the Packers, the Jets, of course, uh, you know, we're native New Yorkers, so we always follow the Jets. And, um, you know, following the Eagles, because they're kind of the local team for me now, so following the Eagles. So I'm following those storylines pretty closely. Um, you know, also also kind of just taking a look at, you know, curious to see what the Giants do. Yeah. Um, you know, the Giants are in very uh, kind of dire straits at this point. <laughs> Not much going on with the, with the Giants right now. So very curious to see what they do. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of teams. A lot of teams that have a lot of needs. Um, not a whole lot of uh, quarterback, you know, strong quarterback prospects. So it would be interesting to see what happens there. It will be interesting because it's funny that you mentioned the New York team because in some ways it feels like those teams are set up to be major storylines in this draft for one reason or another. You know, they both have two picks within mm-hmm. the top ten. The Giants have the fifth pick along with the seventh pick. The Jets have the fourth pick along with the tenth pick. So if these two teams decide that we're going to draft two guys inside the top ten, and that's going to be a major development, and seeing which two guys they pair with those picks is going to be fascinating. But also, when you know you got two teams, two teams, you got two teams with high draft picks in the top ten, they also could be potential trade partners. And you know, the Jets and the Debo Samuel smoke has been very, very high. Uh, not necessarily anything substantial like there's been an offer made or anything like that. But a lot of people around the league, from whoever you listen to, seem to think that the Jets would be interested in Debo Samuel if the 49ers are willing to part ways with him. And Debo has made every indication known that he does not want to be a member of the 49ers anymore. And the Jets have made it known to everybody around the league that they want to start wide receiver. So it would seem like all of the, the cards are aligned for that to maybe happen, but nothing has happened yet. And we're now less than two days away from the draft. So who's to say what may go down? But even beyond just, you know, you know, a, a star player like Debo Samuel, because I think the Jets aren't necessarily in a position to want to give up a top 10 pick for a wide receiver. You know, they, they could give up one of these picks, or the Giants give up one of these picks to move back in the draft for a team that may be trading up to get into the top 10. You wouldn't think teams would trade up to go get a quarterback, but you know the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know they're kind of the team I think everyone's trying to get ahead of, and they're at 20. Not to, not to say that you know that's as far away from where the Giants and Jets are, but if the Steelers move up, and then it becomes kind of a tit-for-tat situation. Maybe other teams start to then move up, try to head ahead of the city, try to get the quarterback that they want. It's, it, it could shape up to be a very interesting night because of those New York teams. So I do think that's uh, that was a, a 
a, a you know savvy place to start, Sham, in terms of some of the storylines you're looking at. But before we get into anything else, I do want to talk about this conversation happening at number one because I find it quite mm-hmm. stunning because we it, this is a very wide open NFL draft in my opinion in regards to like who could be deemed the number one pick and who should be deemed the number one overall player. I don't necessarily look at any player and say this guy is definitely the best guy on the board. Um, I think that there are several offensive linemen that are, are, are certainly great. Evan Neal, um, uh, Icky from uh, NC State. There's, mm-hmm. of course, Aiden Hutchinson, Thibodeau, uh, Jermaine Johnson, they, uh, uh, Dravion Johnson. There, there's there's several players. Jermaine Johnson, sorry. I don't know why I got my name. It's going crazy mm-hmm. there. <laughs> Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. Uh, they, there's several players that you can look at. They're great corners, Stingley and, and, and Sauce Gardner. So I don't necessarily look at this draft and say, okay, there's a clear number one. And that's usually when you end up seeing the weird stuff happen. It kind of reminds me of the NBA draft from several years ago when we saw uh, uh, Anthony Bennett in a draft where nobody really kind of distinguished was the number one pick. Anthony Bennett, who nobody thought was going to be the number one pick, you know, surprisingly be that pick for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we've seen it happen in the NFL in the past too. Some of this buzz we've seen this week, Sham, kind of reminds me of that because – I think by default, people were just assuming it would probably be Aiden Hutchinson. And, you know, for good reason, Aiden Hutchinson was an absolute monster at Michigan and put together a great season. He he, he reminds me a lot of, of honestly, of J.J. Uh, of Watt. And if they went that route with Jacksonville, I think most people would have understood it. You know, you pair him with Josh Allen, and you got a pretty damn good pass rush there. Uh, but... You say, okay, well, maybe they go line. Maybe they go with Neil. Maybe they go with Icky because you want to protect the quarterback. So there are a lot of things that you could have seen Jacksonville doing. But the buzz this week, Sham, has been that it's not Aiden Hutchinson defensive end from Michigan that may be going number one. And it's not even a Thibodeau or a Jermaine Johnson that may be going number one. But Trayvon Walker, the guy that's name I confused a couple minutes ago, Putting, you know, putting, combining him with uh, with uh, with Johnson from Florida State, it might be Trayvon Walker, Shamari, who will be number one overall pick. Apparently, the buzz right now is that he is the leader in the clubhouse, which I find to be a bit stunning to me. Trayvon Walker is he played first of all on a lights out defense, a lights out front 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 uh, front seven front four. No one could argue about the production that defense had as a whole, and he certainly had a big piece of that. But the production that Trayvon Walker put on tape and put on the stat sheet, to me, doesn't add up to what I saw from Aiden Hutchinson or Thibodeau or or Johnson. To me, he's the fourth best pass rusher of these guys. Now, he has more versatility playing in that multiple defensive scheme for Kirby Smart. So maybe you like his versatility, but... To me, taking him number one seems like a major risk to me, Sham. I don't know. How do you feel about this recent buzz you're hearing about Walker at one? It does seem like a risk to me as well. I'm not, I don't know that I believe it. Mm, um, okay. Similar to a lot of the Mac Jones talk uh, to me of last year where it just didn't add up, you know, with, where we get these rumors and, you know, you just, you're, see, you're seeing it and you're just like, this doesn't add up. Why, the, why would they do that? Um now, of course, hindsight being twenty twenty, Mac Jones actually did end up playing pretty well. Yeah. Um, but, but, he didn't, time, but he didn't go top three like we were talking like, yeah, like, about. Yeah, yeah, he didn't go right. top three. And no one really had him top three, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that clearly didn't didn't end up being the case. I mean, even in the, all those post-interviews with with John Lynch and, and, um, Shanahan. and Shanahan, they were saying, oh, we, we knew. We, we knew this guy. We saw we, you know, talking to him. We knew, yeah, this guy is something special. Like they knew. So yeah. there. So I don't really know where all the, the you know, um, uh, where all the Mac Jones stuff came from. So if this seems like something, and this makes quite frankly even less sense to me. Um, like you said, you know, I don't think he's the best, um, you know, edge guy on the board. And um, you know, Jacksonville is in a very bad spot. So, yeah. uh, so for them to mess up the number one pick uh, this year uh, would, huh? Yeah, it would be cataclysmic if they did that. Yeah, cataclysmic. It, it you know, that would be, uh, you know, that would be embarrassing on on a scale that you know we haven't seen in quite a while. Similarly, almost like a Kwame Brown 
Not to say Trayvon Walker is Kwame Brown. Right? I'm, not, I'm not saying that. But it would be a little bit like, wow. So they just threw this number one pick on someone who, you know, could be solid. I'm not saying he can't, mm-hmm. you know, be a very good player. But, you know, as a number one pick? So I don't know. So that's, that's you know, that'll be uh, that'll be interesting to see. I don't know that I believe it. I, I, would, I still would be shocked if Trayvon Walker was pick number one. I don't think he's going to be pick number so one. So if you don't believe it, what do you think is driving this report? I tend to believe it because I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are an abomination of an organization. And them, uh, you know, everybody seeing the color, the sky being blue and them seeing the sky be green is just not surprising to me. So then thinking that Walker is the best player in this draft, because to me, if you're drafting an edge number one, when you have a quarterback, that's that's your biggest, you know, important piece of your team. That tells me you think Trayvon Walker is the best player in this draft. That to me seems ludicrous. Uh, could you say he's top 10? Definitely. Could you say he's top five? I might not agree, but okay. It's, you know, I beauty and I beholder. To say he's the number one player would be crazy. So I tend to think that they're just crazy. But, you know, if you don't believe it, then what do you think is 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 driving this? Do you feel like it is potentially someone from Jacksonville saying, let's tell everybody you want Walker so that someone will give us some crazy price to go up to number one? Is it other teams pushing that they want Walker to kind of maybe mess with Jacksonville? Like, what do you think would be driving this? Like, because some, somebody's saying that Jacksonville wants Walker. I don't know. Sure. But why is it being said? And is it true is the question. If you don't think it's true, then why do you think it's happening? Yeah, it's it's hard to say, honestly. It's very hard to say why it's happening. Um, you know, I mean, I guess maybe it could be. You know, and, and again, I, I'm not sure. Honestly, because they have the number one pick, so there's no reason to really do any kind of smokescreen. I don't think. I mean, you know, I guess the I, only reason I, would be if you if you decide, look, we think there are a lot of really good players at the top of this draft. Mm-hmm. We're not in love with anybody being the number one pick. If we can get more value, like let's say, I think that here's the scenario I would paint if if this was not true, it would be Jacksonville saying, look, we think this Trayvon Walker guy is pretty good. And we seem to be the only people who think that maybe he's the best player in this draft. So if we're in a position where some of these other teams may say, well, we really like Evan Neal, or we really we really like Aiden Hutchinson, or we really like um, A.K. Iwanu. Like, like maybe they, those teams say, okay, well, hey, we'll make a trade with you, and we'll go back to any number, or, you know, pick a number, wherever number they think that they can still get their guy with. So we'll go back to six or seven or four or whatever, and you give us more draft picks, give us another first round pick or something like that. You could have whatever player you want at number one. That would, and then we also get to save some money from giving the number one pick. You know, the number one pick kind of bread, and you know that would be the to me the motivation behind that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could see that. I could see that. Um, yeah, I. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I, I, um, so, so, I, I mean, do you think that this, so you, you think they actually are trying to go after Trayvon? I tend to think that that's the guy they're going to take, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, here's what I think's happening. I think they actually do think Trayvon Walker's the best player, or at least the guy that they think fits them the best for whatever reason. And I think that they're putting this out there to people. So that someone may bite. I think. I think that. I think that they're the one who's leaking this, and but I do also think that they really want Trayvon Walker. I think that both things are true, and I think their hope is that again it will be somebody. Whether you know, you know, Detroit has no reason to jump from one to two because they will take Aiden Hutchinson in a heartbeat. Like it, they'll. They'll. <laughs> I mean, they will. You know, they'll throw that card up to the commissioner so fast as soon as Trayvon Walker is taking number one that it's going to be silly. When we finally get that pick, that Aiden Hutchinson is the number two pick, you know, player from Michigan going to Detroit is just too easy. But I think that their hope is someone else will will say, hey, wait, we got a shot at Aiden Hutchinson? Like someone that they didn't think that they would. Like, will the Jets or will the Giants or someone like someone of that ilk will say, oh, snap, but we didn't think that, you know, Aiden Hutchinson was a guy we can get or someone who, again, who maybe wants Evan Neal. Um, or someone wants Ikem Akwanu uh, and say, well, we didn't think, you know, this guy was powerful for us at seven or eight or whatever. We'll give you X amount to get this guy on our roster. 
And they're hoping that they'll fleece somebody. I don't think it's going to work because I don't think that there's anybody in this draft that someone's like, yo, I got to get my hands on this guy. I think they're, even though I don't know if there's necessarily like a clear number one, I think that there are like six or seven like really good guys at the top. I think most of these teams will feel like if we end up with any of these guys, we'll mostly be fine. Like I'm not going to trip. So Jacksonville, I think, is trying to play like five-dimensional chess. And it's not going to work out for them. because I don't think anybody's going to bite. I don't think anyone's going to bite and take that number one slot. And then they're going to have to stare down the barrel of drafting a guy that a lot of people won't have in their top eight big boards <laughs> in the one pick. And it's not a quarterback. It's it's something that I don't think they want to do. I think they, they would like to have that pressure off of them and, and you know beg somebody to jump up and take the number one pick from them so they can get Trayvon Walker at a number that will be seen as a much more of a consensus than what they will do if they draft number one. That's my theory. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think I guess that's possible. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I suppose I could see them doing something like that. I agree. I agree with you. I don't think that would work. Um, I don't think, like you said, because I, I, this is a draft where there isn't, there is no Trevor Lawrence, you mm. know, in this draft where everyone's. Everyone's just like, no, if someone is not going to take them, I will take them, regardless of everything. Um, so, um, so yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what the deal is with Jacksonville and Trayvon Walker. Um, yeah, this would be very, very uh, kind of Sam Bowie, a little. You know, <laughs> Sam Bowie, a little bit of Kwame Brown. A little. It'd be very, very strange um, if they did. And I think, I think. I think that would be a lot of the talk of the draft that they took Trayvon Walker. Um, and and look, they may be you know the only geniuses. Maybe he's a great player. There are a yeah. lot of players who were drafted in the middle of the first round last year that are great players. So you know, you know maybe they maybe they're on to something. But it but if they're not, then it's gonna just it's gonna be just a nightmare. I think from my standpoint, I'm like. I think in terms of number one picks, I'm trying to think of like what would be, like, like what was the most surprising, like, like what was like this to me. This would be the most surprising number one pick since Mario Williams went number one, and that pick actually yeah. wasn't that bad. Like, right. like Houston got crushed in it, 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 at, at the time, um, because you know Reggie Bush was seen as this generational running back, and you know Vince Young, a team, you know a guy from Houston, and a team that that's when your quarterback was seen as a potential superstar quarterback and you know Matt Liner won a Heisman Trophy like there were these mega stars from college that were in the conversation for the number one pick that year and they went with Mario Williams who was a name like if you watch college football he was a big name but like his team was terrible and like he was seen as a guy that was kind of like a looter and a riot and who didn't really play that hard and it was it was kind of in some ways Charlie Castellari was kind of ahead of his time and he'll, trust me, he's not afraid to tell you that. In <laughs> um, thinking the idea that, look, like, I'm not drafting them running back number one. And I don't believe in these quarterbacks. And actually, a premium position in the NFL is pass rusher. Like, he was actually kind of, he was right. Like, like that was the right pick to go with Mario Williams number one in total hindsight. But at the time, it was seen as this major shock because Mario Williams. Now, I think that Williams was way more, like, I think that, I don't think people thought he should be number one, but like he was like a top four or five guy. Like it wasn't like they were taking some guy who was like again, like to me, Trayvon Walker is like he's not a consensus top five guy at all. Like you're going like a little bit off the reservation saying you're gonna take him number one. The thing about Mario was that there was you know, again two or three guys that were just so such big megastars and that and Houston so desperately needed a megastar. It seemed crazy to say we're gonna get a pass rusher who we have issues with his motor with. Like that just seemed like a, a crazy thing to do at that time. But uh, but in some ways, that like, to me, this would be the most surprising number one pick since Mario Williams, if indeed Jacksonville does it. Now, like I said, I think it's crazy, but that worked out for Houston. So Jacksonville could be seeing something that I don't see here, and, and I'm, I'm not willing to admit that this is a very much a NFL draft is an inexact science, man. Like you know, you could be totally right in one end and just totally off the reservation and terrible with making picks on the other end. So I'm not going to be one to judge. I will, I will judge, but I'm not going to be one to understand that, hey, like, you know, they could end up, this whole thing could end up working out, and I could be wrong on this, but I, I, I don't quite understand that how that's going to work out. 
one of the things about this draft that I think I found interesting is it feels like there are a lot of, like, several positions. There are kind of a lot of players at the top that are bunched together. Like, to me, it's the edge, and it's, like, offensive tackle, and then it's wide receiver. And you can almost argue corner, too. Like, I feel like in previous years, Sham, it was very kind of easy to say, okay, this guy is definitely the best edge. This guy is definitely the best corner. This guy is definitely whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, it seems mm-hmm. like this year, which is why I, I don't think, which is why I think the Jaguars move to try to get someone to come up from the one is fool's error because I feel like there are a lot of guys that are good at the top of these positions. But when you talk about edge, O-line, and wide receiver, if you had to target each position, which who would be your top guy for each spot? And I know it's a little weird because, you know, team fit matters too. But I want to kind of get a sense of just like where do you kind of see – these top players because at wide receiver you know you know some people like drake london some people like garrett uh wilson you know at corner some people like gardner some people like stingley at o-line some people like icky some people like evan uh uh evan neal like where do you kind of see the way the way where do you kind of see that uh, playing out um so so you said edge. Old, yeah, let's start. Uh, let's start with edge. You know, with Hutchinson, okay. uh, Hutchinson, Walker, Thibodeau, Johnson, like of those guys. And uh, there's someone else in there. I don't know. Like you know, I don't know if you like Carl Loftus from 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 Purdue. Like who, who do you see as the, the top guy for you out of those guys? Uh I mean it's hard. Um. I mean, for me, it's 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 for me, it's probably Thibodeau. Mm, okay. Um, I I tried to because I, I know a lot of people had kind of character concerns, I guess, uh, with, with regards to Thibodeau. Some of the, I guess some things he said. I, I was trying to look into some of the things that he said or did. Um, you know, leading into like the combine and stuff, and I don't know. I mean, he sounds confident to me. I, so I, it's a little, it's a little odd that people are so concerned um about it i mean they're not they're, no one's saying that he's not gonna go in the first round or anything like that yeah but but like people are like i'm i'm gonna just i'm skipping on this guy yeah well, there's a report that the giants were like really put off by Thibodeau when they met him Which yeah is, i mean I, again you don't know what to believe but that's what was being reported right yeah i, I don't know i don't know mm-hmm. i mean it's hard it's hard for me I, I it wouldn't shock me if either of those guys uh, were picked. Um, you know, were picked. Uh, uh, were picked first. Um, and a lot of these linemen tend to have a lot of personality anyway. Um, I mean, and 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 I and it would to, for me. I would need to. It's hard for me to say, like you said, because I have I haven't spoken to the man, so I don't know. You know, I I don't, I don't know how bad or, or good or bad he was or what he did. I haven't seen anything that was like so like oh my god, how could you? Everything that I've read in terms of things that they have heard the man say, I haven't heard seen anything to give me any kind of alarm. A lot of these linemen tend to have a lot of personality. Garrett has a lot of personality. You know, I think the worst we've seen is maybe Sue, I guess. Right, because he's like and even that out of control. Yeah, and even that's something that a lot of teams are we've seen are willing to deal with. <laughs> yeah, you no. Know? Yeah, they want to so, go on the edge, quote unquote. Yeah, so um. You know, so I don't know. A lot of these linemen and linebackers are, are kind of are kind of bonkers. So it's it's kind of strange. But um, you know, I think you can. I don't think you can go wrong with either one. Honestly, that's how I honestly feel about it. Hutchinson is a beast. Um, Thibodeau, I think, is also going to be a beast. I wouldn't surprise. It wouldn't surprise me if Thibodeau got picked first, though. Interesting. You you still wouldn't surprise you Thibodeau because he seems to be the. Every guy, I feel like, kind of goes through the character ringer in the draft. There's always some guy who was well-decorated in college that goes through this ringer. And a lot of times, it's very weird. There's weirdo energy behind it. There's sometimes racial conno- connotations behind it. And Thibodeau seems to be that guy this year. I mm-hmm. tend to agree with you. I don't quite understand where all of it is coming from. Um 
having every time I hear that there's a problem and then I read into it, I just don't see anything that makes me think that oh yeah, it's like it's... like oh that this clearly is they're very problematic and I would be very concerned about this. Right. I, I've seen him in interviews and I've heard him talk quite a bit. I probably heard, honestly heard him talk more than most prospects, maybe except for the quarterbacks. Everyone's talked about the quarterbacks. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. He seems like a confident guy, but he definitely seems like a kid that is uh, that is driven and a kid that's about his business. I don't, I don't know where this thing is. Is that, that he's not he's not a hard worker or that he might not be the kind of guy you want to give money to. I, I, right. I think he's a high character guy. In my at least, or at least a fine character. Maybe not high character, but I think he's a fine character guy. I don't think that he's a guy right. that you bring in your locker room. He's some kind of problem. I mean, you put the tape on on this guy, and I, to me, to, again, there's no disrespect to Trayvon Walker, but I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau is just different. And there are some games. I mean, you put on the tape again the UCLA game, and I know it's only one game, and it's not like he only had one game, good game this year. But you put the tape on in that game. I mean, he's a ter- he's like a Terminator. Like <laughs> you want to talk about a guy being completely unblockable, and it's just everything you'd want out of an edge rusher. I don't know how you could watch that game and come away with anything other than this guy is probably going to be an elite level pass rusher on the next level. So right. I love Thibodeau. I think to me, him and Hutchinson are like one and one a for me. Right. Uh, I think both of them are outstanding. I told you again, Hutchinson. It was funny. I saw a conversation happen on NFL live. Shout out to all the people on there. Spears, Dan Orlowski, uh Laura Rutledge. And and they were talking about and I and I actually agree with this assessment that Olasi was saying that he feels like somehow over the course of this draft process, Hutchinson has been kind of been pegged unfairly as this like Johnny Hustle guy, and that the only reason why like he has the numbers he has is because he just like plays with a great motor. He's not a great athlete, and it's very ironic because it's it's, it's the same thing I said about J.J. Watt. I remember. I want to say, I don't think we were in the podcast. I think this at this point I was at Hunter College, and I was doing the show with uh, with Rob DeRay. Shout out to Rob DeRay. Hopefully we'll have him on next week to talk about some of these picks. And it was, of course, he's an NFL draft, uh, NFL draft guru. Uh, <laughs> but I was, I was talking to him, and I was like, one thing about J.J. Watt that's fascinating is we keep talking about his production. Like, what stands out to me is that J.J. Watt's a freak athlete. And I'll just say it. Like, sometimes you have these white athletes, and, like, they don't want to, like, Acknowledge them as great athlete, great with their acknowledge their athleticism, but like I feel like that's what happened with JJ Watt. I'm like this guy is a freak athlete. Like the fact that he's right. going this far is crazy to me, considering his production is so good. But you kind of look at him and he plays hard. And he kind of looks apart, and you kind of have these like stereotypes. You say, oh, he's just a guy that plays hard. He's at Wisconsin. Uh, we don't really believe necessarily everything we saw. And somehow I think Hutchinson's got the same build, which is. Weird to me because if you watch those Michigan games, especially early on in the year, all they kept talking about were all these crazy physical feats he was doing. You know, picking up cars and jumping over crazy things. <laughs> like, he's an insane athlete. And then when you look at the, the combine numbers, you know, yes, uh, you know, Walker had this crazy 40. But, like, everything else, like, Hutchinson's, all the other measurables in terms of quickness and speed and athleticism are all pretty much either even or even lean towards Aiden. So, I don't understand really some of this bag rap that I think Aiden's getting as a Johnny Hustle and not necessarily a super freak, which is what he is. But, I mean, whoever makes that mistake, if it's Jacksonville, I mean, Detroit's going to get a monster on their hands. I mean, he he's a problem. And and I, I, and to me, Jermaine Johnson is like a, almost like a 1C because this is a guy that, you know, I watch ACC football because I'm a Miami Hurricanes fan. Uh, I saw him ruin the Miami Hurricanes. When they went down to Tallahassee, in some ways I thank him because if it wasn't for him, Manny Diaz would probably still be the head coach. And now, of course, things look a lot a lot brighter with Mario Cristobal uh, at the helm. But, I mean, I saw him terrorize Miami. I saw him terrorize pretty much every team Florida State played. He was the only guy out there doing much for Florida State this year. And I know, again, you do wonder, okay, is he, again, a looter and riot? Are you playing for a team that really, you know, wasn't playing for much? Uh, there's there's reasons I think to to make those suggestions. He's also a much older prospect, so there's that too. But that guy is a monster too, man. I mean, there are several good pass rushers here. I think I would probably lean with Thibodeau and Hutchinson, one A and one B. But I mean, Jermaine Johnson is right there, and I, and I like Trayvon Walker. I, I think Trayvon Walker is below those guys. But but again, I, you love his versatility, you love his athleticism, 
And you gotta love the pedigree coming from that program in Georgia where they just won a national championship. They've been in the playoffs several times. But I do find it noteworthy that, you know, Jermaine Johnson and and and, and Walker were on that Georgia defense. And Johnson was very productive and he Walker only became the productive player he was this year when Johnson left. Johnson left and put up like eleven sacks or whatever how many sacks he put up at Florida State. So uh, when they were together, it was Johnson getting the, most of the snaps, not Walker. That's something to be know, to know what I think. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that as well. I mean, Jermaine Johnson is another guy that I think can go in the top ten easily. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's I think it's Thibodeau, Hutchinson, Johnson, and then what? Probably Walker, and then we'll see. You know where where the chips fall from there. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see. Yeah, it will be. Like I said, and, and this is a pretty decent pass rushing class. I mean, you know, Jobo has that Achilles injury, which is unfortunate, but I think he's a guy that I, I, I would look at. I, again, I like this guy from Purdue, Carl uh, uh, Offidus. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's a, a, a rugged, uh, kind of reminds me a bit of like a Sean Ellis type of player. You know, he's not necessarily um, a speed guy that's going to just blow right by you, but he uses great technique with strength. And just you know, kind of just pure want to to, to be an impact uh, in both the run game and the pass game. So this is a good draft if you're looking for uh, pass rushers on the edge. Um, what, let's talk about these receivers, Sham, because that's the other position. I think that there's a lot of versatility and a lot of uh, you know diverse opinions about. Because like I said, you got London, you got uh, you know um, uh, the kid, the both kids from Florida State. I mean, excuse me, Ohio State, and you got. Um, Jameson Williams, who's kind of the maybe the most interesting, maybe the most interesting guy in this draft because you have this electric wide receiver who almost certainly would have been a top ten guy, but the injuries, you know, to the Achilles, excuse me, to the ACL in the in the national championship game, kind of leave him wondering kind of where he's going to land. You know, could he still go in the top ten? I think there's some momentum that he could still go really high because the tape is ridiculous. I mean, the guy is a a blur and and, and he's got great size. I mean, he could do it all, Um, but he's got great competition. You know, Garrett Wilson put up great numbers. Olave, you know, ran like a gazelle to combine and Drake London is just a beast at six, five. So a lot of good receivers in this draft. How do you see these kind of receivers sliding out uh, throughout this, uh, this, uh, this draft? Um, Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. Um, you know, there's a lot of mocks that have the Jets getting Williams, mm-hmm. uh, Jameson Williams. Um, I don't think that would be a bad pick for them as well, by the way. Interesting, uh, you don't. No. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think getting a weapon like that for Zach Wilson, I think that, I think that would do a lot for the Jets. I really do. Um, I, I think Jameson Williams could be a real sleeper. Everyone's looking at the injury and saying, oh, he's kind of damaged goods. Um, but I mean, if you just again, like you said, you put on the tape. This guy is something special. Right. Um, so, you know, being able to get a get a receiver like that could really, really change an entire an entire team. Um, so it, it'll be it'll. This is another one, um, kind of a toss up. These guys can really kind of go anywhere. I feel like Wilson and Olave are kind of fall going to fall in the middle of the first round somewhere, mm. uh, and. I feel like London can either go really high or, or, or much lower. London, so, I think, is – I agree that London is, yeah. like, I think a really big wild card here. Yeah. He played so few games, but he is this physical marvel. And he, he looks the part of if there's going to be a – I feel like we've – it's trying – the way the NFL is kind of is working now and, and, and the lack of emphasis on – the you know outside big receiver like a lot of these guys that have been going high that have been really good have kind of been these little quick guys really mm-hmm. um the, the the megatron type of guy your randy moss type of guy like like those guys aren't getting we're, we're not really seeing those guys as much period even on the college level and, yep. and those guys aren't getting drafted nearly as high i mean think about you know dk metcalf it was just like a second round pick you know <laughs> like people saw mm-hmm. him i was like ah second round pick you know like they, they didn't even value him that much and, and to me, London is like, or even the kid from uh, 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 the kid from Notre Dame. Um, People. The, uh, yeah. Like, you know, yep. who uh, 
you know, you know, uh, went to the Steelers. He was a second round pick. You know, he's again kind of same kind of height, weight, speed kind of guy. You think you know, fifteen years ago would have definitely been a top, definitely first round pick, maybe a top fifteen pick. But London seems to be the kind of guy that could bring that back into vogue if any of these teams get enamored by that. But I guess I have questions whether or not they will because we just haven't seen that kind of player go in the top ten in a long time. With the receiver we've seen going very high right now. Are these guys that are about six foot one that can just like you know that can just run out of the run anybody out of the out of the stadium? You know they don't. You're not seeing these six five. I don't want to call it London just a possession guy because he's got great speed, but like these possession type of guys being valued as much. Your Julio Joneses, you know, guys like that. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. We've seen a kind of a big shift. Um, you know, a lot of people want, and I think people also see saw the production from like Jalen Waddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year as well, so a lot of teams are looking for that that kind of guy now, and and people like Rondell Moore and yeah. Elijah. You know, a, a lot of teams are looking for those kinds of guys. Uh, which I I feel like either one. I feel like I think they're both great value. Right. Uh, you know, if you get someone that's more like a Mike Evans, a Keenan Allen, you know, kind of a bigger guy. <laughs> right. You know, um, with very good hands. I mean that's still very good value. So I, I don't know, but but I, I agree. I think it seems like a lot. All this talk about Drake London is really kind of making people in the comps, and you see like, oh yeah, no, that's actually really good to have as well. Yeah, no, it, it is. It is interesting. I feel like with the way these receivers slot out for me, I, I, I think I tend to agree with you that I, I do think James and Williams is the best guy. Now. The injury thing is just, it's weird. I don't know what to make of it because mm-hmm. we have a situation now, situation now where modern medicine is where it is. And, you know, guys can come back from AC injuries. Like, that just is what it is. Yep. You know, like, did you know, did you see the, he posted a workout video recently. Did you see that? I did not see that. It was, the, I'm sure he looked yeah, fantastic. Yeah, he's looking pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we've seen it in the NBA. We've seen it in, in, in the NFL or in college football or in, 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 in college basketball. Like, the, the the ACL isn't the you know kind of the the death note that it once was. So guys mm-hmm. can come back from ACLs. It's a long recovery. You know the guys can be out for a year, but you know give it a year, maybe give it even two years. You know they can probably come back and play their first year and the second year. They're back to kind of being their normal selves. Like you know for the most part you can be fine. You know there are some guys that never get make it back, but we've seen guys make back make it back from an injury way more in the last few years than we have in the past. But I think what's interesting when you mentioned something like the Jets and some of these teams that are going to be drafting really high is can you afford to have a guy like that that you draft in the top 10, like on essentially a redshirt year? You know, because he did get injured in January. So, mm-hmm. okay, you know, he's going to come back. You think he'd probably be ready close to training camp, but that might push it to say that I'm going to have him out there as a full go by training camp. You know, as again, I mentioned I'm a Miami Hurricane fan, and I saw the whole Derek King situation where, to me, he got injured late in December and tried to play the first game of the season against Alabama in the first last week of August, and it was a mess. Like, he, he wasn't fully healthy. He didn't have a great year, I think, because he never really got fully healthy. Like, to push yourself that much to come back that fast, and that's a quarterback. Like, that's not a wide receiver who his whole game is him cutting and running, and, you know, quarterbacks do have to do a lot of that, but it's... It's, it's to me, it's even more risky to do that as a wide receiver. So I think more realistically, you're looking at probably, you know, maybe week four, week five, where you feel like Jameson Williams is a full go and now he's playing on a new level and now he's got to get adjusted to the speed of the game. It just, it just feels like the first year for him probably just won't be a lot. I think that you'll get your money's worth for the rest of his career because, you know, he's going to figure it out. But it makes you wonder if it's safer to get a guy that you know can produce tomorrow like the Jets need a guy who can produce tomorrow in theory you know some of the other teams that are drafting in the first round need a guy that can produce tomorrow like the Seahawks need somebody that can produce tomorrow so they're gonna get a wide receiver they should get a guy who's you know they need need help on defense but they should get somebody who can play for them you know uh you know the Texans decide to trade down they get a wide receiver like they're a team that or they trade up from 12 13 to get a wide receiver like they should get a guy who should be able to help them tomorrow like so that's going to make his draft slot interesting, which I don't know if necessarily I would take him as the first wide receiver. 
I think he would be my first wide receiver. I would probably take London as my first guy because I would be, I would try to, I would be enamored by the size, weight, speed, athleticism combination. I feel like as great as Wilson and Olave are, I feel like those are the kind of guys I can find in any draft. I feel like a guy like London is not a guy I can find in many drafts. So I take my chances on him before I would draft those guys with a really high pick. But I can see, you know, I can see people going many different routes with that. Are you, are you, are you Sauce Gardner, number one corner? Or are you Stingley with that, with that whole situation? Or, or are you Trent McDuffie from Washington? I mean, there are, again, several pretty good corners here. How do you kind of see the cornerback thing shaking out? Uh, I probably, uh, I think Sauce Gardner might, is probably going to go first. That seems to be the way that it's trending. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't disagree. I don't, I don't think that's, I, I, it's hard to say you're going wrong either way. Um, we didn't see as much from Stingley last year, so that's probably the, just the primary hesitation um, with Stingley. But you know the talent is there. So, you know, you, you, my thing with the corners is you just worry about the corners. Um, now last year's corners worked out really well, actually. I think I think both Sertan and I also think um, um, the other one, the one that's on, I think he's on Carolina now. Um, oh, yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, but but uh, the other but you know we got multiple great very good corners from last year's draft. But then you also worry about getting an Okuda, you know, where it's like yeah, you talking about J C Horn by the way. Yeah, J C Horn. There you go. But you also worry about getting an Okuda, where you where you're thinking, oh, you know, right. Where you think, oh, slam dunk, you know, this guy's gonna be a, a Pro Bowler, and he's just not. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, that's not to say he can never be, but he's not right now. He's not what you thought you would get. Um, so the, you know, the Lions, you know, they already made that mistake. So, you know, it's like, I mean, is another team going to get a corner like really high again? I don't know. Um, but again, you know, again, you look at the draft picks last year, Sertan totally fit where he got drafted, made sense, produced, um, you know, would they have rather had Micah Parsons, you know, maybe probably, but still very good, very good value for what you got. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's tricky. It, it can be tricky with the corners. They, I think you need to take a good hard look, you, you know, at what they did, and how much it'll translate. Um, but but I, I think it seems like Sauce is going to go first, and I think that would be a good decision. Yes, I, it's funny. Stingley is like one of the <laughs> Stingley is so fascinating to me because that guy has some of the best cornerback tape I've ever seen in his freshman year. Mm-hmm. But like, it was two years ago. Like what do you like? How do you juxtapose that from what we've seen, whether it be injuries or him not playing as well since then? You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's still an extremely young player, but I mean, the talent seems to be through the charts. And you think maybe if he gets great coaching, he can play that way again. I mean, he played his freshman year is better than anything Gardner has done. Now Gardner has played at a high level his entire career as well, but that peak was higher with Stingley. But Gardner has been steady, and Gardner, I think, while he may not be the as natural an athlete. Uh, in terms of not, not saying he's a national athlete, but not maybe as just fast. Maybe more is a better term. In terms of a forty time, things like that. Uh, he's so rangy. He's so smooth with it. He he he's really good, man. Um, he's really good. So I, I think you're splitting hairs with that cornerback spot. What do you think of uh, What do you think of Kyer Elam? You know, I know he's a guy you watched at Florida. He's a guy who potentially could go in the first round. You know, you being a Florida guy, you know, what's your kind of take on him? Do you feel like he could be a top-notch corner in the league. Um, I'm sorry. What was? Oh, um, was it uh, Kyrie Elam? Elam? Yeah, Elam from. Florida. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think he could play at the next level for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I. It's hard. To, it's hard to say. You know, you never want to say, "Oh yeah, slam dunk, easy draft them." Of course. Yeah. You know, I. It's. You know, I, it's hard for me to say. But you could, the potential is certainly there. He definitely is a playmaker, uh, is what I will say, um, and or at least he has the potential to be. Uh, so I, you know, I, th- I definitely think that that's something that, that a lot of teams should look at. Yeah, yeah, I think that he's going to be a player to watch. Oh. I, I like uh, <laughs> Siri, I guess is a or I like <laughs> out there. Uh, but no, uh, Elam, I think is a player to watch. I mean, Andrew Booth from Clemson. Um, I think this guy Marcus Jones from Houston. I mean, you want to talk about return man and corner? I know he's only five yes. eight. 
Uh, this guy also played a little bit of wide receiver. <laughs> he's going to be a very interesting player to see. You know, he's not necessarily somebody you're going to hear in the first or maybe even the second round. But, uh, you know, teams in the high third round, he could be a guy who ends up being a steal too. I'm I'm really fascinated by a lot of points in this draft. Uh, we should quickly talk about the quarterbacks here. Um, we, we've mentioned, you know, guys we like and guys we don't like. I think with this conversation, I want to kind of center it more on what do you think is going to happen? Like, who's the quarterback that goes first and where? Because that's this is this is a weird draft because there isn't a guy that people look at as a sheer surefire franchise caliber guy. And there are also a lot of teams I feel like that have recently drafted quarterbacks, so therefore, like they're going to give their guys a chance, like Miami, like the Jets, of course, like Jacksonville. Um, but then you got a team like Detroit, who they, they don't have a quarterback, but they're not drafting a guy at two. So, you know, they draft a guy at 32, you know. So kind of where do you see these kind of quarterbacks shaking out with the first guy and where they may go and then, and then beyond there? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to say in terms of, you know, where uh, they may go and, you know, who. Pickett, everyone's talking about Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. Um him and his small hands. Yes, my hands are too small, which I mm-hmm. I don't buy that at all. I you know I think it's a whole lot to do about nothing. Um, not that well, not that it's totally irrelevant, but it's that's not going to be the end all be all. If he right. succeeds, it's not because of his hands. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I, it's really really hard to say any of these teams. So this uh, this can go a couple of ways, right? I mean, you, all these guys can get taken in the first round, which some people are saying, oh, all these guys, Willis, Pickett, Ritter, Howell, are just going to flying off the board early. Um, and, you know, another option is none of them, potentially. I'm looking, I'm looking at a mock now that is none of them going in the first round, Yeah, which is probably more, probably more likely what should happen, to be totally honest. Um, so, I mean, so, I so, don't. So that's it. You, you're, so you're you're definitely not as high on these quarterbacks. Then, if you think that that's, that's, uh, that's more likely, I think or I should have. I think Willis has a lot of potential. Okay, he could be really great. I think of all the quarterbacks that are that are here, mm-hmm. he could be he could be he could be electrifying. I mean, even seeming, and I'm not even, I'm not too high on a lot of kind of the Senior Bowl stuff. Yeah. I didn't watch a whole lot of Liberty, but seeing him in that series senior bowl, I'm like, boy, this guy is is good. And he's so he's, fast. He's, he's, he's different. He's different than these other guys. He he's he is different. Talent. Athleticism yeah. is like on another level. Yeah. But he's not skinny like Lamar, mm-hmm. you know, or small like Kyler. He's like stout. Right. <laughs> but he's fast and he can throw. It's like that's that's something that is very special. Um so I, I, I don't know. You know, Malik Willis can be something very special. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he got picked up by like a Pittsburgh or one of these other teams that that you know, clearly needs a quarterback. Um, you know, some people were saying, oh, maybe Seattle. Is Seattle going to draft a quarterback? Is, um, you know, so there's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. You know. Houston, I don't know if they're you know if they're settled on Davis Mills completely. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, so I don't know. I w- if I had to guess, I'd say maybe one, maybe two of these guys goes in the first round. Pickett, you know, go somewhere. Willis, I think, will go somewhere. And I think, and I think the others will go second, second and third. I would say Ritter, Howell, uh, you know, and all the others. I think I think it's going to be later. Yeah, I mean. I- I don't think that necessarily there is a definite franchise guy here. I think I'm maybe a little more higher on these quarterbacks than others are. Uh, I think Malik Willis is an immense talent. Uh, I think he definitely needs some development. I would agree with that. I don't know if I would start him necessarily right in week one. But the talent is there. I think the the, uh, the IQ is there. I think the, the, the want to is there. He just needs some work. Um, but... I mean, that's a talent that I think to me, if you're a team like New Orleans, for example, and you say, hey, you know, we bring back Jameis and, you know, he's going to be the quarterback for a year or two, but we got this kid waiting in the wings, I think you feel pretty good about. Um, 
you know, and that's why Pittsburgh is also very interested in potentially Willis or Pickett because they feel like, you know, we got Trubisky and, you know, maybe Baker if we, you know, if we ever pry him out of there. Somebody will be probably the, the starter week one and then, and, and, you know, we'll work this rookie in at some point. If it's not even this year, maybe next year. You know, what you don't want, I think, is a situation where, you know, a team like the Lions, you know, who's got the second bite at the apple at 32 says, all right, we're going for our quarterback now. And that guy is starting week one uh, for the Lions, a team that, you know, is so terrible <laughs> that they really probably shouldn't be trying not no rookie quarterback out there in week one. I think you want to try to go to one of those spots. We have these decent teams that definitely need to look for, to the future. Um, I wonder if Tennessee, you know, they're kind of the team that I don't know if really has been talked about, but you couldn't have liked what you saw from Ryan Tannehill in that playoff game. You know, right. I, you know I, and, and I know they, they, they want to bolster the defensive line. Um, I think that they might need to look back into the secondary. I know they drafted uh, Farley last year, but he got hurt. And, and I love the Farley pick. And I think they, he played well when he was there. But, you know, he, he, injuries has just been his thing. And I wonder if they go back into the secondary again with this draft pick. But, like... I, you want to try to find those spots, I think, if you're one of these quarterbacks. You don't want to necessarily go to one of these really bad teams that's either drafting really high, like, let's say, um, like I mentioned, uh, Seattle or uh, Carolina, who they say we're going to go all in on <laughs> one of these quarterbacks. Say, oh, man, now I'm stuck on these teams. Carolina has a little bit of talent. You know, you know, Chris McCaffrey can't stay, hurt, stay healthy, but if they can get him healthy, you know, he's a decent starting point. They got some decent receivers. But I think the hope is that you could try to get to one of these other teams where you can maybe sit for a year and play after that. I think, to me, uh, Willis is the best talent. I I really I honestly really like Ritter, man. Like I like listening to him in interviews and listening to him talk the game. And this guy is a really smart mind. He really knows the game. Uh, he's not necessarily maybe going to wow you with all of his physical traits per se. But his career kind of reminds me a bit of Andy Dalton's career at TCU. And he's kind of a similar player to me. And some people say, oh, God, Andy Dalton. And, like, I hate – I hate this in the NFL draft. I hate it in the NBA draft. When you mention a guy who's been, a you know, a 10-year starter but maybe wasn't a star and certainly had his limitations and they act like the guy's a bum. And, or just because he's a bum now, they act like the guy's been a bum his entire life. Yeah, like, Dalton wasn't a bum. Yeah, like Andy Dalton had good years. He's been to the Pro Bowl, like – he took you know Bengals to the playoffs several years. Like he's not a bum. Like he he was a decent player. He 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 had success in the NFL, and he was a really good value pick for the Bengals uh, in the second round. Where you got a guy in the second round and he's your starter for right. you know ten years. You went to the playoffs several times. There was a four year stretch where they won ten games in every year with Andy Dalton. So he was a he was a good player. You know he wasn't a superstar, but they didn't draft him to be no superstar. Ritter, to me, feels like that. Like, Ritter, to me, feels like the kind of guy that if he gets to a pretty good team with some talent, maybe in the second round, or if, if he's is a surprise pick to one of those teams I mentioned, like New Orleans or Pittsburgh, and he gets to that team like that, he may be able to come in, you know, day one and play pretty well and surprise people. And, again, maybe he does never become no superstar, but I think he's kind of the, the sleeper of this class. You know, people are – and everybody Willis' talent – I get that. Uh, they're enamored by Pickett's production in year five, which I also get that, again, being someone who watched him in the ACC. And Ritter played in a not-so-great conference, but he, he's a guy I really I really, uh, I really, really would pay attention to. I'm not high on Sam Howell at all. Um, Corral is interesting. He's a very good athlete. Mm-hmm. I'm just not convinced he's like an NFL thrower. So... I think the top three guys from here are definitely Wicked, Willis, Pickett, and Ritter. And I think either, either I think all those guys have potential. Um, wouldn't take them in the top ten, but I think I would take them in the first round if I was a team looking for a quarterback. That's how I would uh, grade these guys out. Mm-hmm. Um, real quickly, Sham, are there any players, whether it be the first round or even later in the draft, that you look at you feel like are kind of being overlooked right now? Because to me, I look at a couple of guys on the offensive line. I look at uh, Tyler Lindenbaum from Iowa. I know that he's a, you know, it's, it's interior offensive lineman, center. You're looking at a guy that's going to be drafted later. But I think we've seen in recent years that, man, interior line play is super important. And, like, this guy is, is, is a, you know, all American type of player. I feel like 
one of these teams that's looking to kind of bolster off the line at the end of the first round, maybe if he goes early second, will be getting a, a really great player. Um, I, I think Devin Lloyd from Utah. I think, honestly, him and uh, N'Kobe Dean are also kind of being overlooked. We've seen what the Buccaneers have been able to do with their dynamic linebacker play. Linebacker, I know, is not a very highly sou- highly touted position, and, and I understand why. But but I do feel like um, I do feel like there's there's a great chance that those guys could be impact players. Are there any players that you look at? And, oh, and real quickly, uh, Trevor Penning also from Northern Iowa, Low, small school, but that guy has a nasty edge. And I feel like I've seen a lot of these small school tackles kind of be overlooked, and end up being just fine playing at the NFL level. But uh, are there any guys that you look at that you say that you know maybe these guys are being overlooked in this draft? Ah, uh, overlooked. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a lot of stuff is hard because a lot of his position stuff. Yeah. Um. You know, and you know, you value whatever you know whatever positions you need is what you value. And a lot, and, and when it comes to the league, um, like I'm a Florida guy. I watched a lot of Damian Pierce. Right. He showed out at the Senior Bowl. You know, which wasn't anything new to me. I've been seeing him watching all year. Tear up, tear apart all these other teams, um, and these guys like a bowling ball, you know. And you know, we saw how good Javante Williams was last year. Um, you know, we saw how good, um, you know, um, um, uh, the running back for the Colts was. Even oh yeah, of course, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor. Um, I mean, Damian Pierce, I think, could be really special potentially. Um, you know, he could be a very, very solid back for, like, reliable back for, like, a good NFL team. <laughs> so I think no one, you know, it, but that's to say, I, I think I could say the same uh, for Kenneth Walker as well. No one's really talking about him either. Uh, so I don't know. You know, I think there's, there's, there's I mean, there's a, quite a few good backs um, that aren't being talked about. Um, I feel like, um, I also feel like, um, uh, what's his name? Kyle Hamilton isn't really being oh, yeah. talked about anymore. Yeah, he seems to be kind of really sliding right now. Yeah, no one's really talking about him for some reason. People were talking about him a whole lot earlier. Now no one's talking about him. So, um, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean, he's having watched it. Well, that, 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 40, that 40 time seemed to really, I think, take a lot of what not his sales. Yeah, it's just all, for some reason he's just dropping, dropping like a rock. But some team is going to steal him because yeah. of it. So, uh, so yeah, not a whole lot going on with Kyle Hamilton. The, the Hamilton thing is interesting because I feel like, like I said, I feel like the, the 40 time is killing him. But he's not like a guy that, oh, we were enamored by only his size, weight, and speed, and that's why he's really high. It, right. Like, in some ways, like, the kid from with, playing with the Cardinals, like, uh, you know, a different position. but uh, But, like, he was a player where there was good production there. But a lot of it was you projecting that, hey, this guy plays in the NFL. Like, you know, he's going to be a star kid from Clemson. Like, Kyle Hamilton was a, a superstar production-wise at Notre Dame. And then you combined it with, hey, he's 6'4", 220. And, you know, this guy is probably going to have great measurables. Okay, the measurables didn't work out, Bob, but the tape and the production is still there. So I'm a, surprise, I'm a little surprised that people have just ran away from him completely as a top 10 guy. But people really aren't valuing safety that much right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so it's it's. I mean, that's interesting to see. Uh, also, just a couple more people. Um, there's Christian Watson um, uh, from North Dakota State, who really impressed me um, at the combine, um, and and just his tape as well. I know it's North Dakota State, but I mean, he looks like a man among boys when you put on the tape of this guy, um, and. And uh, Trey McBride also. I was going to say, I was gonna say Trey McBride, yeah. Yeah, he's another guy who also wowed me at the Combine. Um, he looks like basically everything you'd want in a tight end. So if you need a tight end, that is very good. I mean, we saw how good even Fryermuth was yeah. uh, for Pittsburgh. I feel like he could be that and maybe even more. So I, I think he's another, another very good prospect. Yeah, I do agree with that. Another safety I'll throw in there that I like as well is Jaquan Brisker from Penn State. Mm. Uh, John Prisker just always was near the ball. Great leader, high character guy. 
you know, decent size and weight. Not not great, but, you know, 6'1", 200 is, is definitely fine for a uh, safety. Uh, I think that he could be a potential steal maybe in the third round uh, if he goes there. Uh, this is again. This is this is to me again a high level draft. A lot of very good players. I also think the kid from UCLA, Greg Dulcich, at tight end, is another kid mm-hmm. that I, I really liked. I, right. I was impressed by him at the combine. I was impressed by him all season. You know, I actually watched a decent amount of UCLA because I was fascinated by the resurgence of Chip Kelly and you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the long hair tight end just stood out to me every time they played. And <laughs> and, and he's looked good in the pre draft process before then as as well uh, since then as well. And looking at receivers real quick. Um, when you talk about small school guys, Sky Moore, a guy I think that's also being yeah. a little bit kind of uh, – he's kind of falling by the wayside because of some of the bigger, stronger, faster – not faster, but stronger athletes that are out there. But you want to talk about a guy that produced at a high level, and you want to talk about a guy that matches more of the um, – again, the, the body types of the guys that have been going very high recently. Um, the kind of 5'11", short, quick guy in the slot. Like He matches a lot of that. You know, and he seems to be a guy that he gets in the right program. He could be a, a very dangerous player uh, for defenses to stop. So I think you should watch out for Sky Moore. Um, I think George Pickens is an interesting yes. player considering just how much of the, the high school recruitment and the big prospect he was. And, and when he got time, he got to play. We started, started, started to see some of that come together. And, you know, both you and I, uh, are we always talk about Jahan Dotson from Penn yep. State. Uh, that, that guy is a stud. I mean, anybody who gets him yep. in the second round, you're going to get a baller. So uh, plenty of stuff to talk about with this draft, man. Um, you know, but we got to we gotta run out of here real quick. Any last thoughts, Shamari, on your Packers? We got to give – I got to let you at least talk about your Packers real quickly, Sham. Uh, what are you looking at with their last pick, with their first pick, rather, and where would you like to see them go? Uh, we need a receiver. I mean, that's a, that was an easy one. You know, we need, yeah. we, <laughs> we need a receiver. Yeah, we probably need multiple receivers. You probably guys should draft like a couple receivers in this draft. But uh, but yeah, we need help at receiver. We lost Devontae Adams. Uh, we feel like we have nobody. We just got, uh, geez, what's his name from Kansas City? Um, you know, it's, a, it's I forget his name. I'm, I'm not even gonna waste time looking it up because he was a serviceable receiver, not Pringle, but you know, one of these other guys. It, but we but so we got somebody, but not someone that's really gonna be, step up and be the number one. Mm-hmm. So we need to draft a yeah, guy who can, the Sammy Watkins. Yeah, Watkins. Yeah, there yeah. you go. We got Sammy Watkins. So I mean, look, we got a, we need a receiver. So yeah, he lost I'm, Valdez you know, Stanling too, who went to KC. Lost Stanling. You know, our top guy at this point is Lazard. I think he's yeah. our top receiver at this point. Which I mean, I look, I I think he's a good, a serviceable receiver, but. If he's your number one, you're in pretty dire straits. Uh, so, yes. you know, we need <laughs> we need to draft some guys. You know, we get need to get a Traylon Burke, a Drake London, a somebody. You know, we need uh, so we need one of these guys. Um, you know, and after that, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we could show up the defense, get a linebacker or something. But, but, uh, but yeah, we gotta. We got it. We got to get a receiver. That's that's top of priority at this point. Okay, I, I can see that. You know, me being the Jets fan here, uh, it's weird. I saw a report say saying that if uh, uh, if if Wanu uh, drops to them, that they will take him. Yeah, I saw that too. This is not gonna be a discussion. It's I, I'm I'm torn because I actually love the player. I love the player. Aki is one of my favorite players in this draft. I'm not sure if the Jets need to get another lineman. Like in one, in on the one hand, I kind of think about how they built those teams with the Brickshaw Ferguson and Nick Mangold, thinking you could never have enough linemen. That kind of started the renaissance of the Jets in the Rex Ryan era. Like I understand that and I respect that, which is why I'm kind of like, hey man, you get a guy that good, he could play left tackle, right tackle, you put him at guard. Like I, I don't care where you put him, he's going to be an impact player. So I could live with that, but part of me is just like. This, I, like, they just don't, they don't have enough when it comes to, like, the defensive pass rush or the secondary for me to think that you could, like, not take the best guy available at either spot. Like, to, to think that you could get the best corner or you can get the best defensive pass rusher and you're going to pass up to get an offensive lineman when you drafted an offensive lineman last year and the year prior and those guys are starters and then you just signed Tomlinson. 
I'm like, at what point are you going to try to say, okay, we're going to go with the guys that we've put here? Like, you have, you should, you're they're supposed to have a starting caliber offensive line at this point going into the season. Icky would be a great addition, but that would definitely be fascinating if they didn't do that. If I was the Jets, I'm going pass rusher with that first spot. I'd probably go Thibodeau. And then at the last spot, that's where I'd probably go either receiver or corner based on who's available. Um, and I probably would lean a little bit receiver. I'd probably go Drake London. But I'd be very enticed that if if Sauce was somehow still at 10, it may be unlikely. But he was at 10, I'd be very, very enticed to take him. Um, and that would be a tough conversation going between him and 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 and, uh, and and London because I do feel like the Jets need to do something to the offense in terms of getting a, uh, you know, a pass catcher. And they got more last year. But I think they need to get like an elite guy this year. Like not to say that more wasn't great, but you know, they didn't they didn't take a receiver with those early picks. They waited later in the first round to get their guys. Or I think second round they got more actually. Um like so I would feel like if you can get one of these top end guys and then you start next year with let's say they don't get a Debo Samuel or trade for a guy. Let's say, okay, now you got Corey Davis, really bad first year, but you hope maybe he is better his second year. And you got Moore, who we think is a stud. And you've got now a third guy. Now you feel like Wilson's cooking with gas. When I get that third guy, and he's like a second-round wide receiver guy, and I'm kind of hoping that he plays up to a starter capability. It could work out, but I think that's more of a risk. I'd more try to get the guy that I think I know will come in day one and dominate. You know, all three of the top receivers from last year's draft that went high all were studs. So... I like to see the Jets get that kind of guy. I want them to get a Devontae Smith kind of game changer, a Jamar Chase kind of game changer, a Waddle kind of game changer. I don't want to see them get a guy who's another developmental guy where, you know, with Elijah Moore, they couldn't really unlock him until the second half of the season because he's a rookie, he's a second-round pick, and you're trying to develop him. And Again, once he figured it out, he looks great now, and I think he's a really great piece. But this year, Wilson's going to need as much help as he can get. They need to really speed up that development because he had a rough rookie year. I'd really be inclined to see if I can get a receiver at one of those two picks in the top 10. But that's going to do it for this edition of New Generation Sports Talk, our NFL Draft Preview Show. I'm so glad we got this in here. We're trying to do so much right now with New Generation. Uh, me and Shamari holding on the fourth for Kendall while he's out for a little bit. But he'll be back talking all of this stuff with us um, you know, soon enough. Of course, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check out all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network. Find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast. And you can find us on Facebook as well, uh, searching New Generation Media. And make sure you follow us individually on social media. You can find uh, Shamari on Snapchat and Instagram, MCSham22. You can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, ActionEJ. Thank you guys again for checking us out. For Shamari, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.